What's up everybody? Welcome to Salt Company. From my living room to yours, thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, if you are uh, just tuning in on accident, I guess all the more welcome to you. We're glad you guys are able to join us tonight. Thank you, Olivia, for those uh, incredibly compelling announcements. I hope everybody has some funny ideas to make uh, some music videos or something from your quarantine sesh. So uh, yeah, if you don't, honestly, we probably won't have that film festival. So uh, no pressure or nothing. Uh, tonight, I would love, before we even open up the Word of God, I would love to start a little different and just offer a prayer of thanksgiving to God. I think uh, recently I have had a lot of uh, complaints kind of coming off my tongue. I would have a lot of like grumblings against the Lord and just like kind of just some, uh, I don't know, some impatience, you know, some irritability that I would love to just like uh, take us in a different direction. I would love to leave us uh, not just trying to survive this weird season, but kind of thriving. And so I think that needs to start with me uh, kind of taking on a tone of thankfulness because we do have a lot to be thankful for. So if you guys would start tonight actually just by bowing your heads uh, and praying with me, I would appreciate that. God, um, thank you, God. Thank you that you are still God. You do not change. You are not surprised by any of life's circumstances. You are not taken off guard by uh, anything that has happened recently and you never will, God. You are completely in control. And what's even more exciting than that, you are completely good. God, thank you for things like uh, technology, uh, phones, computers, Zoom, Facebook Live, YouTube, whatever. Thank you that we can actually still, in one sense, gather and hear the good news of the gospel, Lord. Thank you for Salt Company. Thank you for all the amazing leader interviews that I've been able just to sit in and be blown away by what you're doing in this ministry. Thank you for this season, God, where you have stripped away any idols of impressiveness, any uh, performance mentality Christianity, God. Thank you for the season that those things could be stripped away. Any consumer Christianity would just die. Thank you that you are building the church and the ministry and the Christians that you want, not what we want. So, Lord, we even just submit tonight to you. We're thankful for what you're going to do. And we just beg that your spirit come and meet us in a unique way tonight so we would leave refreshed and with a lot of excitement and vision, Lord. In your son's name, amen. Sweet. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's reviving to my soul, to say the least, uh, just to be able to kind of take captive my feelings and just submit them to the Lord and say, God, I don't always... Uh, feel excited, especially recently. I don't always feel good. Uh, not every single day is just like a home run. Uh, not every sermon's a home run, but tonight my goal is just that we would get a bigger vision despite whatever circumstance or feelings we have. We would get a greater vision for how to enjoy our lives. Okay, tonight is all about a vision for the most enjoyable life possible. And a lot of you are tuning out already saying, when did, when did Saul come and start preaching a prosperity gospel? When was a live your best life now? The mission? No, 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 don't worry. We're not going there. We're actually going to look somewhere incredibly uh, surprising, I would say, to find the answer, to find the vision for the most enjoyable life possible. Uh, and I think a lot of us are prone to look in a few directions for that. Like, if I were to ask you, what is the most enjoyable life possible? A lot of us would say, um, when we look outside, we look to our future, 
and we try and look at this world and try and milk it for every single thing it's worth. Like getting the right job, having the right family, having a family at all, falling in love with somebody, like just being comfortable, being happy, doing fun things, owning a jet ski. I don't know. Like we look to the world and the world gives us its best version, its best vision of what an enjoyable life can look like. And what I hope recently, like <laughs> if you've kind of like fallen into that, like that's kind of been your vision for your life. Like that is the most enjoyable vision that you have. I hope that that's been completely destroyed recently. Honestly, I'm not trying to be brutal or mean. I really mean that. I hope that if you are clinging onto the world's vision for your life, that this season has completely destroyed that. That if you were looking to your job for security and joy and peace and your wallet, and by this circumstance that honestly sucks, you maybe lost that job, I hope that you can have the eyes to see and the ears to hear that God is proving to you that that is not a vision worth staking your entire life on. Okay, so the world is kind of eroding, okay? We don't want to put our eggs in that basket. We don't want to plant our flag and say, yes, this is what my life is all about. The security of my job, the security of my paycheck, the security of my health. No, no, no. It's not good enough. This season has proved that. So maybe we turn inward. Maybe we're like, okay, the vision for my life, the most enjoyable life I can imagine is me just being the best me that I can be. Right? It's self-improvement. You know, we have all this time and like, you know, we just get to hang out in our living room all the time and just read book after book and watch a YouTube video after YouTube video. And we go down these rabbit trails of like self-improvement, self-help. And I hope that by the end of the night, you will also realize that is way too small of a vision for your life. That if you want to live the fullest, most enjoyable, God-given life possible, it won't come from money filling your pockets or security and happiness coming from this world. And it also won't come from you looking inward, you looking in the mirror and just mastering who you are, being the best version of you that you can be. No, both of those are too small of a vision. Tonight, we're jumping right back into Galatians, guys. We're, gonna, we're getting really close to finishing, but we're going to finish up Galatians 5 tonight, a book that is all about just like clinging to the truth and in doing so clinging to freedom, God given freedom that the world cannot take away. Last week, Zach read this incredible line for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Guys, the gospel has done incredible things in our lives. The gospel is continuing to be pushed forward through these computer screens into Iowa city, into the ends of the earth with this anthem of freedom, that Jesus saves people in their bondage of sin. And tonight we're gonna to look at how to actually experience that freedom on a day-to-day -day basis. It's kind of like a really like theological lofty uh, idea, like there's some language in the rest of Galatians 5, they're like, yeah, that's kind of intimidating theological churchy language. But on the other hand, when we bring it down to earth, it's like the most practical, incredible stuff uh, that I think is going to entice us to be more excited to follow Jesus tonight. And so the first thing we're going to see tonight, guys, is that living in the flesh is miserable. Okay, I'm going to explain that in a second. But let me start reading from Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. 
Paul says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you were led by the spirit, you were not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. He keeps going, my goodness, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And in case he missed anything, he says, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We are presented with a villain in a sense. And the villain in Galatians 5 is our flesh. The thing that Ephesians 2 says we once walked in. The very thing that defines us as enemies of God, where we are following our own passions, no matter what God says. That we would rather do what makes us happy in the moment than believe that God has something better for us. That God's spirit is not our friend, but our enemy. And whether we would admit it or not, whether those are kind of harsh words that you would never say, God's not my enemy, we live like that when we are following our flesh. That's the enemy that Paul is trying to lay out. This is what you don't want. He's saying that when you do these things, when you follow your flesh, life is actually miserable. And he lays out this laundry list, right? Of like bad things that the flesh will lead you to do. That all of us are like super well acquainted with for the most part. I don't know about sorcery, but he talks about idolatry, like putting other things before God. He talks about enmity and strife and jealousy, right? Like these tensions between people. Like he goes a ton about tension with people, right? Like fighting and just not being able to see eye to eye with people. That's a result of us being selfish and living out of our flesh. He talks about a ton of sexual purity issues, saying that God's idea of sex, his plan is not actually the best. I have a better plan of sex and I'm going to express my sexuality in the ways that feel good to me. That's the way of the flesh. That's not the way of the spirit. Drunkenness, orgies, things like these. Like he's saying that we are to like live life even with good things like drink and sex. and The thing that we do in our flesh is we take those good things and instead of giving thanks to the good gift giver, we run off with them and do whatever we please with them. And it leads to excess and that is sin. This is what it looks like to live in the flesh. And this actually is a miserable vision and a miserable path to stake our lives on. Think of it like this. Our bodies were meant to live on something, okay? There is like a lifeblood of our bodies. Some would say water, some would say coffee, okay? I've learned in this quarantine season that I am drinking like over a pot of coffee a day. That is a problem. But anyway, water, coffee, those are like what our bodies were made to run on for the sake of the illustration. I had a season of life where I did not know that, okay? I was 13 years old or 14 eighth grade, summer before eighth grade, I lived in Texas and it's like stupid hot every single day. Okay. Like 105 plus. And I'm like working outside every single day, trying to get my tan on. 
uh, trying to avoid like fire ants and snakes and stuff. But here's the problem. I hated the taste of the water in this small town, Texas. I hated it. It tasted like absolute junk, man. I, it just like makes me gag just thinking about it. And so what I did every single day is I drank what I wanted to, not what I should. Instead of drinking water after working in the 105 plus degree sun all day, I would drink Dr. Pepper. Okay, and it doesn't take much of a functioning adult to know and to admit that the human body is not meant to run on Dr. Pepper. And so I drank Dr. Pepper every morning, every afternoon, every night. I was literally addicted to it, man. Like it was awesome, I thought in the moment until I went to have my uh, physical for like the upcoming sports year or whatever. And the doctor looks at me after my tests and goes, Ryan, I think you have kidney cancer. And I was like, dude, that is so heavy. And he says, just this is what you should do. Go and just drink a ton of water for the next few days and then come back and we'll retest. And I'm just, you know, my family's in prayer. It's like this heavy thing. And I come back after a few days of just like cleansing myself. And he's like, oh, don't worry. It was just a kidney infection. And I'm like kind of relieved, but also like kind of angry at the doctor for being such a bad doctor. And like the reality of the situation was my body was not made for Dr. Pepper. Like, like honestly, like it was like foreign to my body and I drank so much of it that my body was like screaming out. Like my kidneys were like screaming out, like stop it. Like you're killing us. Like, what are you doing? Drink what you were made for. That's the effect of sin in our body. It looks enticing. It tastes sweet in the moment, but it's killing us. This is saying that 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 fleshly life, that idea of following the flesh is completely at odds with following the spirit. And a lot of us are kind of like, we read that list, we're like, yeah, like maybe I don't go to that extreme, but I like to have a little bit of that stuff. Like I like when my doors are closed at night to be able to, you know, have my own me time. Like I'm able to have just little bits of the flesh and a lot of the spirit. And I think because God is like kind and good that he'll forgive me for that. And that's actually an okay way to live. And I'm telling you, if that is the way you are viewing holiness and following your Lord, and that's what you're interpreting this passage, your vision is not just small, it is wrong. That's like saying, uh, okay, I got, I got something. Okay, what does the world run on? The human body, coffee. This is my coffee from this morning. A little cold, but still really, really good. This is Dr. Pepper. It's leftover from my Chick-fil-A curbside pickup. Now you saying, me saying that if we actually wanted to live by the spirit and by the flesh at the same time, that's like taking the spirit, the life in step with the spirit, combining it with the life walking in the flesh and this is the life that we have chosen I did that so that you wouldn't have to <laughs> okay oh my gosh uh, I should have planned ahead and had like a ugh, a glass of water or something next to me Ooh, this is going to be a miserable rest of the sermon then okay um that is a terrible vision for your life. 
We are called to completely walk away from the flesh and completely walk in step with the Spirit. And what are the ways of the Spirit, guys? This is what the way of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Guys, this is the way of the Spirit. The Spirit, walking by the Spirit. This big theological, like ethereal term that can kind of frighten us. I'm telling you, tonight, you are done being afraid of the idea of walking in the Spirit. Let's put that idea aside. The, the fruit of the Spirit is like the personality of Jesus coming to us. Do you th ever imagine how, like, when you're reading the Gospels and you're reading about Jesus' life, how amazing it would be to, like, live with Jesus and spend time with Jesus? He had so much love coming out of him. Like, like when he was, like, crying for Lazarus, like, he was so in love with his friends that he would cry at their death. Like the joy that Jesus must have had, like the God who invented humor, I'm guessing he had some pretty good one-liners to drop, right? So much joy would surround him, like the peace of Jesus that would allow him to fall asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. Like give me some of that. Like the patience he would have to not be bothered by people's like seemingly small uh, like problems. Like he's the king of the universe and he has patience enough to listen to just average people like the kindness that he would show like little children who could offer him nothing the goodness that would not just look like a lamb but sometimes come out as a lion like when his father's house is being ruined by the religious people at times selling stuff so he goes and he flips those tables he's committed to goodness or his faithfulness that no temptation that the devil could ever lay out at him, he would ever turn away from the mission and the will of God in his life. He is faithful, even in the darkest of temptations. How about his gentleness? Like, do you like ever desire or just like imagine God being gentle with you? Like thinking about Jesus' gentleness for like his disciples, like his followers would just do stupid stuff over and over again. He was gentle to restore them back to himself. And maybe just like the most baffling, his self-control. He's crying in the garden, begging God to take away this cup of wrath that he was gonna have to drink. And he says, but not your will, not my will, but your will be done. That he actually had the self-control not to follow the desires that would feel good in the moment, but to pick up that giant wooden cross up a hill and allow people when he could have stopped it, but he allowed people he loved to murder him and to nail him and torture him into that wooden beam. This is the personality of Jesus. This is who he is. This is the, the life that we are being called into. And my first question tonight is, do you know this Jesus? Do you spend time and hang out with this Jesus? Like this book is all about us getting to know our God. 
He's revealing himself to us. He is showing what he's like. And the Spirit of God wants to appear to us in such a way that we are enticed, that we have a new vision for our life, that we would actually walk in step with him, that we would observe him, we would spend time with him, and we would love him. If you're here tonight, there's a good chance, like if you're watching this and you're going through all the awkward pain of like watching somebody scream, there is a good chance that you find the ways of Jesus appealing and you actually want to spend time with him. That you actually want to see these things come to light in your life. But I want to warn you that where it's very, very good to spend time with Jesus, it's very, very good and encouraged to observe the life of Jesus and like admire all of his fruits. There is a difference between admiration and obedience. Admiration without obedience looks like fake fruit. Okay? Look at this. This is a real orange. Psych, it's not. It's a fake orange, and you couldn't tell. Look at this. Nothing. Just a tooth mark. There is no fruit in this at all. This is false fruit. And a lot of times in our lives, when we go to church, when we might even read our Bibles every once in a while, like we check boxes off and we do the religious, good, Jesus-y things. We say we spend time with him, but we don't actually do what he says. We don't actually like desire to live the life that he lived. We're not going to get the fruit of the spirit. We're going to get false fruit. We're not going to have real love, but selfish ambition. We're not going to have real joy, but circumstances are going to come and go with the wind and take our joy and our happiness away from us. We're not going to have real peace, but we are just going to look calm, cool, and collected on the surface while we are freaking out with anxiety on the inside. We're not going to have patience because we're actually going to start getting bothered by people who we don't see as worthy of our time. We're not going to be kind for very long, but these fake smiles are going to fade. We're not going to be good. Well, maybe good. Until goodness is the unpopular decision. We're not going to be faithful to love our friends if they can't do anything for us. We're not going to be faithful to stand up to sin when we have to. We're not going to be gentle, but we're going to be like a ticking time bomb ready to explode and lash out at people who are not performing well enough for us. And we are definitely not going to show self-control when the lights go down and there's nobody to perform for And that cross looks awfully heavy today to pick up and walk up after Jesus. Kiss it goodbye. That is fake fruit. And so the key to experiencing the fruit of God tonight, and this is where we're going to land, the key to experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, the fullest life possible, the vision for the fullest life, the most enjoyable life possible, does not come from the world, does not come from yourself. It does not come from religious performance. It comes in a very unexpected place. And it comes from crucifixion. What I'm telling you tonight, what Galatians 5 is telling us tonight, guys, is that if you want the vision for the fullest, most enjoyable life possible, it has to start with crucifixion. Look at verse 24 again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's not enough to will yourself 
to put down the Dr. Pepper and pick up your coffee water. It's not enough to will yourself to make yourself look like a fake orange until the inside matches the outside. No, no, no. It's got to be a work of the Spirit of God. It's got to be a transformation, not behavioral modification. It's got to be a transformation from the inside out that God does in you. And this is how he made that possible. Jesus, in his human shell, was brutally opened up so that his resurrection life would be able to be poured out on all of us. That his spirit would be poured out on the church and that we would be able to not just spend time with him, but learn how to obey and delight in him. That our Bible reading would go from just being a chore, but go from being a chore to hanging out, enjoying, and obeying our friend and our king. The Bible often describes this crucifixion and resurrection life like a seed. Where you can be a little seed, and that could be your life, and you could be happy with that. But the Bible, what God is wanting tonight is to offer you so much more. That the only way for a seed to become every single thing that it was made to be, that is thriving and just aching to become. Like 1 Corinthians 15 and Romans 6a, it must be buried. The seed must die. The shell must completely stay in the ground so the fruit can grow. And I'm telling you, if you are enticed by these small things of the flesh tonight, if you're going to shut this off and you know you're immediately going to be tempted, run back to the words of God. Hang out with this Jesus and simply obey. Like Mother Teresa said, and what, like, I'm going to misquote her probably, but I love, I love this. Just spend an hour of day with your Lord and then spend the rest of the day not doing things you shouldn't do. <laughs> In other words, read the words of God and do what they say. That's my challenge for you this week. Because when I look outside in my backyard and I see a mighty oak tree, I highly doubt that that mighty oak is just longing to be a seed again. In the same way that you, Christian, following Jesus, do not need to look back on your old way of life anymore, but can completely live out of a crucified flesh and a newly risen spirit and experience the good fruit of the most enjoyable life possible. Not self-help, where you get what you want, but gospel help, where God gets what he wants. And that is the life worth living. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, pouring your spirit out. That we can look with faith on the cross, knowing that you died in our place. So that we could live. God, I pray that people would be saved tonight. I pray that people would be rejuvenated to look at this season and not fear life being stripped away. But just enjoy the simplicity of being with you and doing what you say, God. I don't know what all of our individual needs are tonight. I don't know what is in front of us all, but I do know one thing. We have an opportunity to be obedient, and there we will find our joy, and there we will find our peace, and there we will find all of the fruit of the Spirit of God. Help us with these things, Lord. Amen.